I want you to take your Bibles tonight, or this morning rather, and I want you to turn back over to the book of Matthew again, Matthew chapter 1. This is going to be very familiar territory for those who were here on Wednesday night. Um, We gave you the first installment of what the Lord had shared with me on Wednesday night, and evidently a lot of folk got blessed, and we got a lot of feedback off, off of the message on Wednesday night, and we're very thankful for that. And so we're going to carry on with that subject today, what we're calling Lessons from the Nativity, and this will be part two, and, and, uh, and so we are going to read more scripture than we normally read, and we're going to read what some would consider to be some very odd scripture, but as we learned in our Sunday school class this morning, these genealogies are absolutely packed with amazing truth. And so uh, just so you can get the context of what's being talked about today, I want to go back and read these first 18 verses again. And so when you find your place in Matthew 1, if you'd stand with us today out of respect for the reading of God's word, if you're able, that is. And let's look at Matthew 1 and verse 1. And this, of course, is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. This is Matthew um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit rendering this genealogy. And, uh, and so Matthew 1, verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Tamar, and Pharaoh begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Amram, and Amram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasson, and Naasson begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Reboam, or Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Josaphat. Josaphat begat Joram. Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham. And Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias. And Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon. And Ammon begat Josias. And of course, verse 11 is what we studied on in our Sunday school class this morning. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadak, and Sadak begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad. And Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Methan, and Methan begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. Now, that's where we wanted to get right there, isn't it? But all of that, all those other verses are put in there very much on purpose. The Bible says in verse number 16, again, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, now that we've gone, all of that established, now The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. In other words, it's very important we establish what we just established before we get to the now. So the Bible, somebody, you know, somebody may read all that and think, wow, preacher, it gives me a headache. 
What's, what, what's the, the purpose of even reading all of that? Well, verse number 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about that now today. Let's talk about lessons from the nativity story. So you may be seated this morning, and I'll take, once we pray, I'm gonna take just a moment and, uh, and literally just a moment and review, and then we're, we're gonna get into some brand new material today, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you, and I believe it will be, and I believe all this will sort of come together and make sense after we pray today. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, thank you for the Bible. Lord, those portions that sometimes don't seem to make a lot of sense to us, help us to understand that this book is inspired of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, there's a reason that you put those 15 verses in there before we got to verse 16. Lord, there's a reason you put those verses in the word of God. And so Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together now and help us to learn a, a truth that will help us to be better Christians, much better Christians than we were when we entered earlier this morning. And so, Father, what a great crowd. Lord, we, we uh, thank you for the spirit that's here. And so, Holy Spirit, help your word to come alive. Help it to make sense in our hearts and our minds today. And I pray that Jesus will receive glory and praise and honor from all that's done. Father, we love you. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You're great. You're the greatest of the great. You're the highest of the high. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we give you praise today. And I pray that you'll meet with us, Lord. We love you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, if you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about just pretty much just one subject. We said that the genealogy in Matthew chapter one is none other than a picture of God's amazing grace. And somebody says, Pastor, why in the world did we take the time to read those verses in a Sunday morning service? And as far as that goes, why does the Bible take the opportunity to, to just take up space and to add those verses into Holy Scripture? Well, what, whether, whether or not you know it or not, what we just read is a picture of God's amazing grace. And one of the things that we pointed out on Wednesday night is this, that in that genealogy that we just read, we notice those in the genealogy. We see those noticed in the genealogy. What do you mean? Every single one of those names describes a fallen sinner. Now, we only paid tribute to probably six or seven of those names on Wednesday night. But I want to encourage you in your, your devotions, go back and read this chapter another time. But we find names in there like Abraham. We find names in there like Isaac and Jacob and Judas and Tamar and Ruth and David and Solomon and Bathsheba and Rehoboam and Jeconias. And for that matter, every one of them represents a fallen sinner. It represents somebody who messed up. Most of those famous names that you do know of, like Abraham or Jacob uh, or Ruth or David, most of those people symbolize somebody that just messed up their life. I mean, they just messed up their life. And boy, I'm so tempted to go back and, and recap some of them, but I'm not gonna do that today. But each one of those names represents uh, somebody that had fallen into sin, and yet God sees fit to enter them into the names of the genealogy of Christ. And so because of that, we see the grace of God. Not only do we see those that are noticed 
in the genealogy, but we notice those who are notified first concerning the nativity. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, one of the things you notice about the Christmas story or what we're calling the nativity is that the very first people to receive news of the coming Christ child was not the rich. The first people to receive news that Jesus was coming was not kings, it was not princes, it was not those who were affluent. The very first group to receive word were none other than shepherds. I'm talking about lowly, poor as dirt, people that were, uh, were, were just disregarded in that society, people that lived with the sheep, people that smelled like the sheep, people that were, uh, were uh, to be quite honest with you, were quite dispensable in other, in other aspects. And so because of that, they put them out in the field with the, with the flock. It was usually either very young boys, adolescents, or old men who could no longer function in any other capacity. And so therefore, they put them out there in the field to watch the sheep. Wait a minute now. But yet, that group is the first group that the Lord notified of the coming Christ child. In fact, they were. You say, what about the wise men? The wise men came later. But when the wise men came, the infant Jesus was now a child Jesus. So sometimes we see the, we see the, uh, the, the, the shepherds, you know, arriving at the, at the uh, uh, stable. And then we see in the same picture the wise men coming not long after that. That's not how it happened. According to the word of God, the shepherds were the first ones on the scene. They were the first ones to see the Christmas child. They were the first ones. The wise men came much later when baby Jesus had grown into a toddler, into a child. They came much later. Now, again, my point being this, boy, what about the grace of God? God allows these fallen people, these fallen sinners to be recognized in his genealogy. And then on top of that, he notifies of the coming Christ child to lowly shepherds. And so we see a picture of God's amazing grace. Well, we talked about that Wednesday night. And so let's go a little further today. Not only do we see a picture of God's amazing grace, but number two, we see the perfection of Scripture. The perfection of Scripture. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? You know, sometimes, every once in a while, there'll be somebody who'll come along and they'll say, well, the Bible's just a book. And I don't know what's so special about that book. Because the Bible, you see, was just written by a bunch of men. A bunch of men got together. Well, number one, false. <laughs> That's not right. You better get your story straight before you start spouting out some of that stuff. But that's what they say. Well, a bunch of men just got together and they uh, just decided to put something together and make it, make, make it what they call a Bible, but nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is this morning, Calvary, if man had written the Bible, there's no possible way that the word of God would be as perfect and pure as it is today. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? What does the, the Christmas story have to do with that? Well, look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter one and notice verse number 15. The Bible says in verse 15, and Eliad begat Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob. And uh, now again, I just, I wanted to read verse 15 because I wanted to represent the preceding 14 verses. We've got the begats and the begats and the begats and the begats. And then we come to verse 16, and the Bible says it like this, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Did you notice there the Bible did not say that Joseph begat Jesus? 
after reading all the begats and the begottens, we notice there that verse 16 does not say that Joseph begat Jesus. You know why? Because Joseph was most certainly not the father of Jesus. Now, legally, yes, he was the stepfather. So all of you folks that come from broken homes and have steps, he knows what that's like. Jesus had a a stepfather, Joseph. But the fact of the matter is, this is the only place in Matthew chapter one where the word begat is not used. Now, why is that, pastor? Because Joseph did not begat Jesus. He was not the biological father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, pastor, what are you getting to? And this is what I'm getting to, that Jesus Christ was virgin born. There is a reason the scripture reads like it reads. There's a reason those first 15 verses talk about the begots, 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 begots. And then all of a sudden, when we get to Joseph, it stops, it changes, and it does not tell us that Joseph begot Jesus because he did not. That which was done in Mary was done of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, again, you're in Matthew 1, so look at verse 20. Matthew 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, Joseph, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know the story. Uh, Mary appears to be pregnant out of wedlock. Joseph and Mary have not come together physically. They've not consummated their relationship And yet all of a sudden, Mary comes back from visiting her cousin Elizabeth and Mary's showing signs of being pregnant. And it appears at least that Mary has been unfaithful to Joseph and now she is is pregnant out of wedlock. And the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, there's something you need to understand that what's going on in the body of that, that young maiden right there is of God. This is not of man. This is not something you've done. This is not something that any other man has done. This is absolutely supernatural. Jesus, listen, Jesus was what the Bible is pointing out here is what's called the incarnation. The incarnation, the incarnate son of God. Well, preacher, is that important? Oh man, is it ever important? He is the incarnation. What does that mean? That means he is divinity enrobed in human flesh. He had a human mother, but his father was heavenly. His father was supernatural. He was the incarnation. I love this. Somebody said it like this, that Jesus was not born of a virgin in order to be the son of God. He was born of a virgin because he was the son of God. (laughs) Man, boy, that's worth saying again. I think I will say that again. Jesus was not born of a virgin in order to be the son of God. Jesus was born of a virgin because he was the son of God. Now, here's my point this morning. The word of God's very careful. If man would have put this together, he would have messed it all up. And yet, because this is a divinely inspired book right here, it is perfect, it is inerrant. In fact, the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 12, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, the Bible tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Church, this is all I'm saying. You can base your life on this book right here. Promise you. You say, you say, I don't believe that for a half a second. How you doing? Don't believe it for a half a second. How's your life going? And don't be lying. 
How's your joy? How's your marriage? How's your child ring? How's your excitement? See, truth matter is, if you just decide one day to accept this book by faith, and by the way, that's the way you'll have to accept it. Because it's a supernatural book. This is not like Better Homes and Gardens or Sports Illustrated or, or National Geographic. There is something that's supernatural about this book. But I want to tell you, if you ever get to the place where you say, Lord, I don't understand it all. It don't make all, all sense to me at all the time, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna believe it. I'm gonna accept it by faith. And I'm telling you what, if you'll base your life on this book, I'm telling you, it will change your life. And so right here in this Christmas story, we see a picture of God's amazing grace, but then we see the perfection of Scripture, but I want to get to this point today. There's something else we see in the nativity story. Number three, we see, and this is really neat, we see the prophecies of the Bible fulfilled. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, are you in Matthew 1 still? All right, look in Matthew chapter 1. And uh, look, at, look at verse 22, Matthew 1, verse 22. Listen to what our Bible says. Now all this was done that it might be what? That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, all right? Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter two and look at verse number five. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is what? Written by the prophet. Matthew chapter two, look at verse 15 and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Skip down to verse number 17. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, skip down to verse number 23, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. He shall be called a Nazarene. Listen, one of the amazing things, one of the awesome things about the Christmas story is that we literally see biblical prophecy fulfilled right before our eyes. And what are you saying, Pastor? Listen, this is what I'm saying. If you will study out the Christmas story, Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Luke 1, 2, and 3, if you'll study out the Christmas story, one of the great things that you'll see about this is that literally prophecy is fulfilled in the nativity story. It's exactly why the world is trying to supplement so many other things into Christmas and they're trying to commercialize Christmas and they're trying to make it about presents and they're trying to make it about, uh, you know, eggnog and they're trying to make it about parties and they're trying to make it about celebrations and they're trying to make it about all these things. Why? Because if the world can, 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 can push enough, enough things, maybe, just maybe, uh, Satan will be successful in getting our eyes off the word of God. And I want us to understand that when we read this story and we study this story, what we see is we see biblical prophecy fulfilled. Now, pastor, what are you talking about? Let me give you some for instances. We see the Bible prophesied of the virgin birth of Christ. In fact, church, 700 years, 700 years before we ever heard about Bethlehem, 700 years before we ever heard about a nativity, 700 years before we ever uh, sang away in a manger, 700 years before Jesus ever come, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah that came on the scene and he prophesied 700 years before Jesus ever come. It was gonna happen. And by the way, you know what happened? It happened just like you said it was. You'll find that in Isaiah chapter seven. Uh, what are you talking about, Pastor? The Bible prophesied that the birth would take place in Bethlehem. 
The prophet Micah, in Micah chapter five and verse two, prophesied that the very birth of Jesus would happen in the little town of Bethlehem. What are you talking about, pastor? The Bible prophesied of the nativity star, that star that the wise men saw was prophesied way back in Numbers 24 and verse 17. The Bible prophesied that Jesus would be preceded by a forerunner in Isaiah chapter 40. It prophesied that Jesus would enter Jerusalem on a colt in Zechariah chapter nine. It prophesied of the very day that Jesus would make his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem in Daniel chapter number nine. The Bible prophesied concerning the crucifixion of Christ in Isaiah chapter number 53. It prophesied he would be betrayed by a friend, specifically Judas, in Psalm 41 verse nine. It prophesied his hands and feet would be pierced in Psalm 22 and that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver in Zechariah chapter 11. That the Lord would be spit upon and beaten in Isaiah chapter 50. That he would be crucified with thieves in Isaiah 53. That people would gamble for his garments in Psalm 22. That his side would be pierced in Zechariah chapter 12. That not a bone in his body would be broken in Psalm 34 and verse number 20. Pastor, what's your point? My point is this, that what the Bible says is gonna happen always comes to pass. It always comes to pass. Now, you say it's a bunch of collusion. What are you talking about collusion? Hundreds of years before the Christ child came on the scene, they were already prophesying it's gonna happen and it's not just gonna happen. It's gonna happen just like this and it's gonna happen here and it's gonna happen this, at this time. And so prophecy, biblical prophecy is being literally fulfilled. What are you saying, preacher? You can trust the word of God. You can base your life on it. You can base your life on it. The Bible gives us practical rules concerning child rearing. The wise parent will follow those rules. The Bible gives us practical guidelines concerning marriage. The happy couple will follow those guidelines. The Bible provides counsel concerning finances and giving. The wise Christian will follow that counsel. The Bible warns against the folly of sin, that sin will destroy that sin will find you out. The wise Christian will heed to the word of God. And somebody says, well, pastor, the word of God won't work for me. Oh, yes, it will. Oh, yes, it will. If you'll live by it, it'll work for you. Just like it says, pastor, you know what? That may have worked back, you know, back in the day for you, you know, when you were younger, uh, but it won't work for me. I'm telling you, it'll work for you with your family. It'll work for you in your home. It'll work for you in your marriage. It'll work for you in your individual life. Why? Because the word of God is always true. And I want to tell you something else, church, that not only is the prophecy concerning the nativity true, but there's another prophecy that's true. The prophecy that says that Jesus is coming again. You say, pastor, do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. We've seen We've seen prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled. And when I read that and I accept it by faith, then I know that when Jesus says, I'm coming, I accept it by faith. He's coming. And our Bible says that his coming is gonna be imminent. It can happen any moment. It can happen before we leave this service. It can happen before we come back tonight. Are y'all listening to me, church? It can happen at any moment. And so the coming of Christ is prophesied and when he comes, the Bible says that he will snatch his church away and it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. 
Before you can repent, before you can call the pastor, before you can read a gospel tract, before you can drive down to the church, it's over. It's happened. We say, preacher, how do, you, how, how do you know that? Word of God says it. It's been prophesied, it's gonna happen. And because it's been prophesied, I believe it. I'll tell you something else. The Bible prophesies that those who are lost will suffer separation from God in a place called hell. You say, I don't believe that. I'm sorry for you. Makes no difference what you believe. And I can say this very kindly, you will become a believer. The Bible tells us there's coming a time those that have rejected Jesus, those that have turned away his love, they've turned away the gospel, they spurned the Savior. The Bible says there's coming a day when those will be, their, their names will not be found in the book of life and they will be cast into the lake of fire. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we better get ready because the Bible prophecy is accurate. You can trust the word of God. You can trust it and you can trust God. Old story, you've heard this little story. Little boy was standing out on the curb in the town. He was standing there, just a little guy, just standing there minding his own business like he was waiting on something. And a uh, businessman was walking down the sidewalk and he saw the young lad standing there and he said, hey, sonny. He said, you mind me asking what you're doing? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'm waiting on a bus. And the man chuckled and said, I hate to disappoint you, son. He said, but this is not a bus stop. The little boy said, thank you. Never moved a muscle, just stayed right there. And uh, businessman said, son, do you not hear what I said? He said, yes, sir. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm waiting on a bus. He said, I told you, this is not a bus stop. The bus stops several blocks up the road there. You'll have to go up there to, to catch the bus. And do you understand? And the little boy said, yes, sir. Never moved a muscle, just stayed right there. And the businessman started getting flustered. And he said, well, son, what are you doing? He said, waiting on a bus. And, uh, and so, boy, the businessman got all flustered. Man, he stomped off and got about, got about a block or so away. And he heard what sounded like air brakes, you know, and he looked around, and sure enough, man, there was a bus. The door opened, and the bus went down, and the little boy stepped on it. Right before he stepped on, he looked at that businessman, and he said, my daddy's the driver, amen. I mean, listen. <laughs> daddy told me he's coming to get me right here, and I believe what daddy said. I want to tell you something. Daddy told me he's coming back. He's going to take us home. We're going to live with him. And you say, preacher, do you believe it? Man, I believe it like everything in my life. Yes, I do. And if you were wise, you would too. Why? Because biblical prophecy is always right. You say, well, pastor, yeah, but, but I don't understand it all. Well, join the crowd. Listen to what the word of God says in Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And so if you come to a spot in this book and you don't, necessarily understand it, just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't understand that, but I accept it. Doesn't make any sense to me. I, it, I don't understand it. It's a little bit confusing, but if you, say, if you say it's right, it's right. And I'm gonna put my faith and trust in this precious book right here. Little boy was in the park and he'd recently been saved. 
And somebody gave him a brand new Bible. And he was sitting on this park bench and he had this Bible open and just overcome with joy. And he's reading the Bible and didn't really care about what anybody might think around him. And he was just reading, intensely reading. And he said, wow, 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 hallelujah. I mean, didn't care. I mean, didn't care. Just, I mean, just praising the Lord. And a man was walking through the park and he said, hey, son, he said, he said, uh, what are you so happy about? He said, man, he said, I just got saved. And he said, I've been reading this book right here, the Bible. And he said, man, I'm just amazed. He said, this is just amazing. And the man had just graduated from college, you know. And he said, well, what's amazing? And he said, well, he said, this book right here says that God led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. And uh, when they got back up to the Red Sea, that God parted the waves and the waters of the Red Sea. And they went across on dry ground. Wow. Wow, man, praise the Lord. And the guy sort of laughed, you know. And he said, son, he said, I think I better sit down and try to help you out. And so he sat down beside that young man on the bench, just having, you know, been to college. And he said, you see, what we what found out is that back in that day, the Red Sea was only about 10 inches deep. And so it didn't take very much for the Israelites just to wait across. And that's what happened. It was about 10 inches deep, and that's why they went across. And, uh, and he felt like he had really helped the young man and got ready to walk away and got several steps away. And the little boy's in his Bible, and he looked at the man, and looked at his Bible, and looked at the man, and looked at his Bible, and he said, wow, wow, hallelujah, wow. And the man came back and said, did you not hear what I told you? He said, yeah, wow. He said, God is really more than I thought he was. He not only led the children of Israel across 10 inches of water, but he said he drowned the whole Egyptian army in 10 inches of water. Come on now, somebody give me some help this morning. I'm telling you, you can base your life on this book right here. It'll never fail you. It'll never let you fall. It'll never disappoint you. It'll, yes, sir, yes, sir. It'll never let you down. I'm telling you, this is not like any other book. It's divinely inspired. It is the God-breathed word of God. And if you'll base your life on it, your life will be a whole lot better. Man, what a God. What a God. I'll ask you a question. If that prophecy happened today and Jesus came today, would you be ready? Would you be ready? By the way, it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen today or tomorrow or when it's going to happen. Maybe 10 minutes from now, maybe 10 years. I'm not exactly sure. I would say by the signs that we're beginning to see, I would say it's closer sooner than, sooner than later. Much sooner than later. We're seeing things happen now we've never seen happen before. You say, Pastor Preacher's been preaching that for you. You're right. But we've never seen things happening like they're happening right now. I believe it's coming as soon. If that prophecy took place today, are you ready? Are you ready? Would you bow your heads with us all over the house this morning? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved, going to heaven when, heaven when you die. You say, preacher, I feel like I'm a, a decent person. We're active in the community. We're trying to help a family out with Christmas. I've tried to be a, a, a good parent. 
But pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. All those things to the side, if I were to die today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, hear me out. Hear me out, preacher. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would. And preacher, I want you to pray for me. First of all, how many are here this morning? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I can take you back to the time and the place. I know that I know that I know that I have been born again. And if that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Wow, praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Now I'll ask you a second question. How many are here today would say, Brother Pope, preacher, if I died today, I am not sure that heaven would be my destination. And I want you, please, pastor, I want you to pray for me. How many's like that right now? You just slip your hand up very boldly. Just slip it up. I see a hand and I see a hand right there. Who else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I see a little hand right back there. Who else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you remember me? Come on, be honest. Come on, be honest. Right now, you'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? Is there another anywhere? Amen. Amen. All right, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many are here this morning and you would say, Preacher, I've already raised my hand about salvation. I know that I'm saved. I was saved in a revival. I was saved in a church service a Sunday morning, Sunday night. But over the years, I sort of got away. I sort of got away from the will of God. Preacher, I know I'm saved, but I've gotten away from the will of the Lord. And I want you to pray for me today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking just for a moment, if that's you, would you be, be, be honest and very boldly, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so honest. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All of those who raised their hands today, whether it was for salvation or rededication, whatever it might be, are you serious enough to make a move down to the altar today? Are you? If so, in just a moment, we're gonna stand and I want you to come. And you can just find a place and pray. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're gonna have some folks up here and they'll be glad to meet you and pray with you, especially if you need to be saved today. So very quietly around the house, let's all stand if you would please, Father. Thank you, for, thank you for assuring us over and over again this Word of God can be trusted. Lord, what the Bible says is going to happen is going to come to pass. We can trust it. We can believe it. We can live by it. This book's never going to let us down. Father, I pray first of all for those who have raised their hands and said they're not sure about heaven, I pray that today you'd help them to come and get that assurance that they need. And then, Lord, those that have raised their hands and said, yes, I am saved, 
but over the years, I sort of wandered away. Father, today I pray they'll come and rededicate their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe Christians would come today and just gather and pray. God, I pray you'd have your way. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We have some personal workers up here in the altar space with a Bible. If you raise your hand right now, I'm gonna ask you to just take a step of faith right now. Just step out and I'm gonna ask you to come. Folks are coming. Folks are using the altar. How about you? How about you? If the Spirit of God was dealing with your heart today and you have a need, any kind of need, young or old, would you come right now? Come on. Were you serious? Were you serious about it? Would you come? Father, I thank you that you're dealing with hearts right now. Lord, I have really no doubt in my mind that you're dealing with others as well. Father, there were a number of hands that were lifted around the room. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave this place today, being able to say there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. God, as Brother Abel's playing, that we would surrender all. Lord, not hold anything back, but surrender all. God, maybe there's somebody here today struggling with an addiction or some type of bondage. Father, today I pray you'd break the chain. Maybe there's someone here today that's struggling with depression or discouragement. Oh, Lord, I pray that December the 11th, 2022 would be a brand new start for them. And that God, that you would help them to live of the joy of the Lord. Lord, please have your way and we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Are there others who need to come? And now's a great time to make a move. Would you come? Folks, continue to come. Amen. Sometimes the Lord extends an invitation just for one person. Anybody else? While we pause just for a moment, we'll sing in just a minute. If you're watching the broadcast today, we are delighted to have you watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we have some incredible people that are waiting by the phone. If you're watching this broadcast and you don't know Christ as your personal savior, please, please reach for your phone. Call that number right now, call that number and let us pray with you. If you're watching the broadcast today and you say, Pastor Pope, I'm just struggling with some things in my life. I'm just struggling, okay? Call us and let us pray with you today, okay? I hope you'll do that. 704-327-5662.